at Midlife Mastery here, we're always looking for ideas, information, inspiration on how to create a phenomenal midlife and beyond. And sometimes that goes as far as transforming your life. And the big question is, how do you do that? How do you transform your life? How do you go from midlife malaise to being excited about who you are and who you're becoming? Well, Jeff Goodrich did it by adopting a dog, Duder. At least that was the start. And so with Duder's help, Jeff lost 70 pounds. He went from the couch to completing ultra marathons, and he became a writer. All these things that he never thought he could possibly do. And along the way, he learned several lessons from Duder, began to change his mindset, remove those limits he had placed on himself throughout his life, and make continual improvements using what he calls the three M's. And now he feels like he's just getting started with the life he loves and looks forward to tomorrow and the next day and has a list of things that he and his wife are excited about doing over the coming decades. So do you want to know more? Stay tuned. Let's get started. So today's guest is Jeff Goodrich. And actually, Jeff, we're going to not talk about Jeff. We're going to talk about Dude and Duder today. As we'll get into here, Jeff's story is one of transformation. I find it to be a very compelling and very authentic transformation. A lot of times we see like the before and after photo and we miss all the life that happens in between those. And Jeff is sharing his story on what was all that life in between. And so Jeff, dude and duder, like, I don't know. How do you introduce yourself, Jeff? <laughs> it's a great question. I'm happy to be here, Brock. How do I introduce myself? One thing I like to do is uh, I like to say that I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a runner, I'm an aspiring author, and I'm a dog lover. And I can honestly say that Duder, my dog, saved my life. Well, how's that right. for an introduction? That's a fantastic introduction. And we can't ignore that lead in, right, Jeff? So <laughs> your dog saved your life. Like, tell us a little bit about that. So the influence of that dog in my life, when I hit 50, things were... Uh, not as they should be. Let's just put it that way. In fact, I listened to one of your previous podcasts with Lisa on there talking about everything is fine. And I look, I, that one resonated with me because yeah, I was 50. Everything was fine, but it was not fine. I was way overweight. I was not doing what I needed to do. And we brought this dog into my life. And hindsight is always great. You can always look back on what the influence was, but what started all this was me just taking my dog for a walk. He's a very active breed. He's a Vishla. We'd go out for a walk every day. And this gave me time to one, get up and just start moving, get off of that couch, turn the TV off and just start walking and spending some time with myself and reflecting on life. You hit 50, you go through that standard midlife stuff, all the regrets, all the what should I have done? What? Why did I do that? Why didn't I do this? All that kind of stuff. But just that simple act of getting up and walking my dog really started the transformation process. So first off, Jeff, what inspires you to get a dog? Growing up, I never had dogs. We never had dogs. We've had, my wife and I have had a couple of dogs through the years. It was about, I was like 49 or something. And my kids had recently all moved out. It's just my wife and I, empty nesters. And I spent some time talking my wife into getting this dog. I said, hey, we need to get a dog. We had a neighbor that had the same kind of a breed. And I'm like, 
you know, I like their dog. Let's let's get a dog. Let's get a dog. So I finally talked her into it. We found a puppy, went and picked him up, and that's how it all started right there. So simple as that. Well, so, you, I mean, you, you had space for a dog in your life. You, you get a dog, yep. have to start taking it for walks. You take it for walks. And now, what is it, a couple years later, you just finished up a 60K trail race. So, like, there, there's, there's some life that happened in between there, Jeff. <laughs> and so... Tell us a little bit about that life. Like, how did you go from overweight midlife malaise, it sounds like, to being fired up, feeling like you're just getting started with things and running significant distances? Okay. So a little bit about my background. I'll I'll start with my wife and I, we knew each other actually when we actually knew each other, went to junior high school together. We're on and off boyfriend, girlfriend through high school. And lo and behold, she got pregnant when she was 18. So my wife and I got married at 18, three months out of high school, two young kids with a baby on the way, not having a clue how to live our lives. Crazy, crazy stuff, right? So you're thrown into life trying to figure all this out. So that, I mean, that kind of, you know, you're forced to just figure life out on your own. And so we go through and here we are many years later, three kids, I've got four grandkids right now and we hit 50 and then that whole self-reflection started coming in. So there's two main things that really started the transformation for me. One of them is just getting up and walking the dog. Second thing I decided to do was cancel my TV subscription, called my cable company, called the satellite company and said, cancel it. Because when I was walking, I just started really reflecting on this, you know, I what is my life? What What's the rest of my life going to be? And I decided that TV was trying to tell me what my life should be. Hollywood, advertisements, the news, you name it. It was trying to tell me what my life was supposed to be. And I decided really early, really early on at 50, hey, I need to create my own existence, my own world. And so I spent a lot of time reflecting on this. And things, you know, I I think, okay, I got to lose some weight. I got to do this. I got to do this. You know, we got to start doing this. So as I started walking the dog, I started to notice little things in his behaviors that, and that's what the book is based on, is I would see my dogs do something. I would see Dieter Deuter do something and it would reflect in, okay, what can I learn from that? What, what, What can I see him do? And then when I hit 51 is when something really triggered. And I went into the weight loss mode, just kept my walking, started doing a diet and, you know, lost 70 pounds and, and then just started to incorporate some additional exercise and some running into all of that right there. But maybe we can talk a little bit about what are some of the things we learned from my dog, right? These are some examples that really influenced my, my thinking in this. So I would occasionally start, I'd put some headphones on occasionally and start to listen to different podcasts and even different books. So once you turn that TV off and you start getting different sources of information, I mean, there's some great information in the podcast world, awesome books out there that really can impact you. But I'll give you a perfect example of one of the first things that I learned from Deuter is that when we'd go out for a walk, I would, we had, we're lucky to have some trails close to my house. So I'd throw Duder in the truck. He and I would drive over. Sometimes I would have to put a leash on him. We'd hop out of the truck and we'd start walking up a trail and he had the leash on. And Duder hated this leash. The dogs do not like being on a leash. And so we'd reach a point where there's nobody around. And so I'd reach down and I'd just pop that leash off. And Duder would just 
bolt full on as fast as he can go running down that trail. And I would watch that over time, you know, day after day. And it just got me thinking, do I have a leash on me? What's holding me back? What are those leashes that holds us back, keeps us from running full bore as fast as we can go towards where we want to go? And, and that, that's an example of one thing I learned from him, you know, and then I got thinking, what are the leashes I put on myself? You know, is it these limiting beliefs? You know, I, I want to write a book. I wrote this book. I want to get it published. But three years ago, if I would have thought about writing a book, that would have been a limiting belief for me. There's no way I would have even thought I would be capable of writing a book or running a half marathon. You know, three years ago, there's no way I would even thought I'd be capable of running a half marathon. So this was an example of these beliefs. And so that helped me shift my mindset, change a little bit, pull that leash off of me. Why am I limiting my own self? I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the one holding me back. Nobody else is holding me back. So that was an example of something I learned from my dog. Well, you know, and, and that's a great example. And of course, now looking back, you can, when we reflect on it, of course, it sounds easy. Like, hey, you know, just realize getting in my own way. So I stopped getting in my own way. But that mindset shift, I know a lot of people are looking for it. You know, a lot of the guests talk about going through some sort of mindset shift. And how, how were you able to do it? Because three years, I know, sounds like a long time, but it really isn't that long. And so to go from not even believing you could write a book to like, hey, how do I get this thing published now that it's mostly written? And, you know, not, not being a runner to doing ultras, what advice would you give to others on how to, how to start making that leap or making that progress? So I, I would say this. I think everything, whatever it is you want to do, starts in your mind. Everything. And I actually call it the three M's. The mind, your meals, and move. So everything starts with your mind. So you got to get your mind set first, right? And for me, doing the walk, there's a couple of things that happened. One was just simple awareness. I, when I turned 50, everything was fine. I wasn't aware that there was a problem. So I had to become aware that, yes, something is not right here. Something was in my gut telling me that, oh, something's just not right here. I got to do something different with my life. And so I had awareness. And then the next step for me was figuring out what my why was. Why is very important. I actually wear this bracelet and I wear it 24 seven. It's called remember your why. And that's, you know, you have to remember your why for everything. You know, you can point to why do I run? Why do I want to have a good relationship with my wife? Why do I want to write this book? Why do you want to do anything? You've got to have that why. And then once you have some awareness and you've tried to figure out, and the why will always be moving. It will always be growing and changing over time. It's nothing that you write one sentence down. That's why I'm going to do something. It's something that lives inside your gut, lives inside your soul. It's always changing. So once you have that, then you start incorporating what I call tools and techniques to do this. And so if I take an example of my, the weight loss aspect, and if there's anyone out there that needs to start losing weight, you don't lose weight by first thing you do is go join a gym. That's not how you're going to lose weight. You got to figure out your why, make an awareness that I want to lose weight, figure out why do I want to lose the weight, and then you get your mindset right. Then you start incorporating some of those things. You focus on the meals and your nutrition first. Then you actually can start incorporating some exercise. But you got to do it in that order. That's that's my advice is start with that why. 
I'm curious. So this is a transformation for you. What about the rest of your family? I mean, you, you mentioned your wife, you mentioned your kids, grandkids. How is how has your transformation affected them? <laughs> that's a great question, actually. Well, the transformation has to start with me first. And so that's one aspect of this, too, is I had to figure out my, the relationship with myself. You, we spend all day with ourselves. We have all kinds of conversations with ourselves, right? And so what is that relationship I had with myself? I had to make sure that that was on the track to getting better. So then I could focus on my relationship with my wife. And another example of one thing I learned from and how I transferred that into a relationship with my wife is this idea of these simple gestures. If I go somewhere and anyone who's a dog owner knows this, if you go somewhere and you come back in the house, is that dog happy to see you? Absolutely, they are. He's wagging his tail. He's, he's, he's happy to see me. He's given me 100% of his attention. And I tried to translate into, well, I need to do simple gestures with the relationship with my wife as well and with my kids as well. And so I have the relationship with myself, the relationship with my wife. And as I began my journey, uh, I had to bring her with me on the journey too. So I have my own internal journey, but then we have the journey that we are doing together. And so we definitely had to do that together. And as far as my kids, I'll talk a bit about this. So when you hit 50 and you start that self-reflection process and, oh man, all those regrets, and I always have thoughts of, man, I wish I could have been a, or should have been a better father for them and this and that. And what I realized is that you can't let these regrets bring you down. I mean, because you you can't fix the, any of that. You, there's nothing you can do about it. All I can worry about is how I go forward. And it even doesn't matter how much I think about being a good dad or talk about being a good dad. It only is what I do. And so I want my kids to actually see me doing these things. So when they see me running, when they see me trying to write a book, when they see me trying to have a better relationship with my wife, I want them to actually see me do something and that'll have an influence on them because they're all out of the house. They're all out in the world. They're out finding their own way in the world based on their own experiences. And all I can do is influence it by what I do. Well, you know, you mentioned what, what you do. That is something that I've noticed can freak our family out a little bit. So I, I mean, you've got your established patterns, your established relationships. So even if you're doing something that is all positive, it's still something new, something different. And you mentioned being fine. Usually by the time we're fine, we're pretty set in our ways. Like you don't just, you know, become fine overnight, right? You know, that's the last 20 years of marriage or whatever got you to that point of fine. Yep. And, and so I'm, I'm curious. I mean, it sounds like your, your wife was very supportive of, of the process, but yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we have our own self-doubt. We have our own transformation. We've got people around us that can, even with the best of intentions, fuel that self-doubt. And I, I so I don't know what the situation was for you, but I, I guess I'm just thinking kind of bigger as you've learned and the advice you would give to others. You know, how do you balance that out of your own transformation, helping people understand what you're doing and not being discouraged and yet still keeping them along? I, I know that's, that's a lot in that question there, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. And so, you know, my wife, she's, she needs to have her own relationship with herself as well. And so, and then, so that transforms into the relationship that the two of us have. And so she started doing some things herself and she really got into the yoga world and she started doing yoga 
And I would try to occasionally go to a class with her. And she actually went out of her comfort zone recently and got certified as a yoga instructor. And so, you know, she's doing some of her own things and I do everything I can to support her as she does, as she continues to do things and she continues to support me as we, as I do things. But then we also try to incorporate things that we do together. And one of the things that we really did is I actually bought a van and I spent some time finishing it out as a little mini camper van. And so we would take the weekends and my wife and I would throw the dogs in and we'd just start exploring. And we'd head out and just spend a night or two out in the middle of nowhere down in, in southern Utah and exploring some very cool places down there. And just that time that the two of us spent together with no TV, not necessarily any phones, just the four of us, you know, the two dogs and, and the two of us. And, and so that was another thing that, that we do together. And so I have my running that I do. That's important to me. She has her yoga and some of the stuff that she does. It's important to her. And then we have those things that we want to do together that are important to both of us. And, and Jeff, I, I love that combination and distinction. I think a lot of times, at least what, what you see portrayed in media and media and so forth is, you know, you've got to do everything together. You've got to love everything, all the exact same things. And, and that, I've just never experienced that. I've never found that to be true. I mean, my wife has her own things. I have my own things. We have the things we do together. And I, I find that very useful. You know, we, yep. we, we, you've got your own space and you've got your overlapping space and to try and force her to love the things I love or me to love the things she loves that, you know, that, that would just create issues that <laughs> have no need of being there. We, we just yep. both be miserable rather than really enjoying those things that we really enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, we've been married how many years now? It's 36 years now. Right. And yeah. we're married at 18 years old. So we've had a lot of life experience thrown our way through that time. And all of that influences, you know, all the choices you make and do this. And we've had some very serious conversations through this transformation. You know, what, what is our future together? What is our plan? What's the next, you know, segment of our lives together going to be? Let, beyond just what what I want to do and what she wants to do, but what are we going to do together? Right, and and we spend a lot of time talking about that. So, well, and you know that that feels so important just at this stage of life. I think it can be easy to again thinking about life as it's fine, you know, just kind of run out the clock versus thinking about you know I've got another thirty forty years in me. Like, what do I want that to look like? How? Yeah. You know, what, what, what's going to excite me versus just kind of going on permanent coast down for the next couple of decades. And so I guess, what do you guys have coming up? I mean, so you, you I mean, you've been traveling in the camper van, you, you've been going through transformation. She's been going through transformation. I assume those transformations don't stop. Like you mentioned, you know, it's kind of a moving target on your why you keep evolving, keep changing. Hmm. What are you excited about coming up now as you kind of look down the next one, three, five, 10, 20, 30 years? Well, one of those limiting beliefs was, you know, a finite vision of things. And, you know, this, uh, this mindset in the past of, okay, well, I got to work till this period of time and then I'll retire and play golf or whatever I'm going to do. And I had to really switch that. And so my visions and my aspirations and dreams are quite large. I want to publish this book. I want to bring attention to dogs and organizations that that can enhance and show the power of dogs and what they bring and and 
and bring this message out as far as that I can. And so my wife and I, I are, uh, are, are building a new house right now up somewhere. We have no intention of slowing down. I want to keep going as, as hard as I can go and as, as long as I can go. And, you know, I actually have a list here, Brock, of, you know, a couple of pages worth of, of ideas of, of where we want this to go. And I took my leash off and I'm going as fast as I can towards it. That's where I'm at right now. So that's pretty awesome. And so kind of a nice challenge for all the listeners out there. It wasn't a couple of things they want to do, a couple of pages worth of things. So, you know, it's a great time to brainstorm, great time to think about these things. Jeff, you talked about a couple of the lessons you learned from your dog and, and clearly, I mean, a lot of people walk their dogs and they just walk their dogs and come home. You walk your dogs. You're very introspective about it, looking for the lessons, trying to find what you could learn and could apply. Yep. And so, so, but you talked about something bigger here. You know, you, you talk about the power of dogs. Well, what do you mean by that? And what does that look like? Like, what are you trying to share about dogs? Okay. So I'll, a great example of that is a couple of organizations out there. One of them I, is called Pups for Patriots, and there's several of them. And these are organizations that take dogs and even shelter dogs and homeless dogs and and combine them with veterans that need companionship or might be suffering from PTSD and, and some of those issues that veterans have. And bringing that dog into that veteran's life gives them that support and that ability to to continue to heal. And so that's one aspect of the power of dogs is that healing and that companionship that that dog can bring to these veterans. There's another organization that I feel very strongly about is, and I don't know how broad this one is, but there are youth that are in jail for drugs and drug addicts, and they might be in some institutions like this. And so there's organizations that now are bringing dogs and positioning them with these people that are trying to overcome drug addiction and and they're letting them train these dogs to become service dogs and emotional support dogs and so the dogs become a core part of their recovery from drug addiction and that is very strong to me because my that's one of the life lessons my wife and I had is our oldest daughter went through a period of time of drug addiction and it was a, as a parent, very hard thing to go through and observe because you want to fix it. We learned over time that there's nothing that we could do to fix it. My daughter had to do this herself. And she actually did. She overcame her drug addiction. She, she found it all and she did this all on her own. And she is now out working. She's doing fantastic. And she has a dog herself. And so her dog is her continued helps her support. I know that she has two daughters herself. And so that's what I mean by the power of dogs is, you know, and dogs can be emotional support animals. They can, you know, they play a role for a lot of different things. And so just bringing awareness, awareness to these organizations, I want to donate a lot of, of the book to these organizations and so forth. So just, just the, the impact that dogs can have on the world because they've definitely impacted us. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of different ways to try and fix things, a lot of different ways to contribute and we can overcomplicate things. And, and some of them are really simple. And, you know, the idea of being able to 
the emotional support, the companionship, the having a, having a dog to take care of, having a dog to take care of you, you know, however that balance yeah. is, you know, no, no one solution cures everything, but just those things that sound so simple and are easy to overlook can go so far. I know. Well, let's talk a little bit about your running. So I run a little bit, but that's it. I run a little bit. You run a lot of bit. And <laughs> you, you went from, you know, basically couch to ultras. And I know that wasn't an overnight thing, but what is it for you? So I, I, I'm assuming you weren't much of a runner before in life. So what kind of just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what kind of switch clicked in your head that just went, yeah, this is for me. How much further can I keep pushing this? <laughs> so I, I ran track in eighth grade, right? So I did a little bit and I will, I will tell a story about some of the running. So in 2003, so that's what, 19 years ago, I had some friends and some neighbors and they approached me and they said, they said, Hey, we're thinking of running a marathon. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good. Maybe we'll do that. And so there was a group of us and we trained together and I actually did run a marathon in 2003. But after I ran the marathon, I, I stopped. It just stopped running. So I had a little bit of that running in me. I, I knew I could do it. And when I would start taking Deuter out for these walks out on the trail, I, I remember very distinctly two, two main aspects. There was one time when I was walking down the trail and just for whatever reason, just started running. And I ran for about maybe 100, 200 yards was about all I could do at that time. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I could, I could maybe do this. Maybe I could start running again. And so I started running again. And I actually rem remember the time, the first time that I ran two miles without stopping. That was just a momentous occasion for me, right? So then I signed up for a half marathon about three, four months out and began the process of training. Because So something just clicked on that day when I ran those 200 yards saying, I could probably do this. Let's sign up for a half marathon. That'll give me a target to shoot for, something to shoot for, right? So then I, I, I started training for that. We ran the half marathon and I'm like, Hey, okay. I'm not going to do the same thing I did last time. I'm going to keep running. So I signed up for another half marathon and trained for that one, but something switched over, over this period of time. And so back when I ran the marathon, you know, I had a goal, I ran the marathon and I was done and I stopped running somewhere after I had run about three, three half marathons. I was listening to a podcast through all this. I'm reading a ton of books, listening to a whole bunch of podcasts, all kinds of ideas are flowing into my head. And I got this idea of to write down on my whiteboard that I am a runner. And so I wrote it down, big, bold letters. I am a runner. And that really caused a very subtle mindset shift. I was no longer running to run a half marathon. I am a runner. So my goal was not to run a half marathon. My goal was to be a runner. If I'm a runner, then what do you do? Well, you run. And so then all these races just kept coming along. And so I now have a mindset that I'm a runner. And so I can't stop because I'm a runner. So I'm just going to keep running until, you know, my knees won't let me anymore. But I was actually able, able to take that concept of I am a runner and apply that to a lot of different things. And on my whiteboard, I'm looking back here and I put down there that I'm a runner. I am a writer. I am an entrepreneur. I am a great husband. I'm a great father. I'm a great grandfather. 
And I also put on there another one. I am a badass. And that's where the ultras come in. Cause in my mind, if I want to be a badass, then I got to run ultra marathons. But that idea that I am those things, you know, that is a subtle mind shift trained and allowed me to then I, if I'm going to, if I am a great husband, then I have to do the things to make me a great husband. If I'm a great dad, then I have to do the things that will make me a great dad. So that's one thing that I learned from my running that, that I've been able to apply to a lot of different things. That's, that's super powerful. That shift of identity and who you think you are and how you think about yourself. You know, sometimes that happens over time and I am fascinated when people do it at the start and just take on that identity. I mean, you mentioned I'm a runner. So what do runners do? Well, runners run, guess I better go run. And I think that's something that, that we miss of just, you know, we're, we're like, I don't know, we're like looking for the certificate or something that says that we're now a runner. And you know, that, that, uh, like, like waiting for it to be handed to us versus just adopting it ourselves and just getting that, that mindset. And, and so anyway, I am just, to me, that seems to be just the core thing. As I look at people who transform their lives that at some point they've just decided to take on a different identity, what, what, you know, think about themselves differently. So anyway, I, fascinated by the topic and think it's really cool that you just uh, adopted that, that approach and just said, Hey, I am this, so I better go be that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I, I, I run six days a week every, you know, it's just part of what I do. I wake up every morning and go for a run. So, so does Duder still run with you when I go out on the trails? Yes. I take Duder and he goes, you know, I'll, I'll put in three or five, three to five miles out on the trail and, you know, he's running all over the place. He's doing even more than that. So. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I used to uh, run with my son's dog year, years ago. And I mean, he was a hundred pound dog. And so on the way out and we ran with a leash on the way out, he'd be dragging me along on the way back. I'd be dragging him <laughs> along. And so, you know, I got a good workout both ways. <laughs> So, all right, we have covered so much ground here. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, dogs, what they can mean, how they can help people just, you know, as they're dealing with their life, trying to figure stuff out, supporting them. We've talked a little bit about your own transformation through what you learned from your own dog, you know, just covered your, your journey to a runner and actually so much more as we think about your journey to those other pieces that you wrote down on your whiteboard. What haven't we covered, Jeff? Well, you you said something right there that that I'll maybe I'll touch on. So you said that people trying to figure it out. And as I read all these books and I listen to a lot of these podcasts, and I've listened to most of the episodes for your this podcast and a lot of the guests you have on, and a lot of times it it really feels like all these guests have got everything figured out, you know. And what I have come to realize that. I don't have everything figured out, but what I have figured out is that I will never have everything figured out. This is a lifelong process. I mean, I'm going to continue to bring new information, new ideas into my mind and try to incorporate them. I'll continue to learn from my dogs and, and, and keep that leash off and just keep going as fast as I can, because that's what I figured out is that it's all about that journey. And it took me a long time to really figure that out and really embed that. I mean, that's, that's a common thing. Everyone talks about it. It's about the journey. It's about the journey, but I've really been able to appreciate that because that is so accurate. It it's about the process. There's no end goal. It's not about reaching the end of the finish line on a half marathon anymore. I am something I've got to go do that. 
so that's one final thing that I've got is I'm just going to be constantly figuring it out. So, well, and that's true for, and I can tell you for, for all those guests that you listen to on this podcast or other podcasts, all of them would be quick to tell you they're still working on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that they can give that they have parts very well figured out and you know, that's what I'm trying to learn from them and be inspired by them. I just, as I'm trying to learn from you and be inspired by you, Jeff. And as you say, then, but there's always things we're trying to figure out, whether it's things we haven't quite gotten yet and other people are ahead of us or whatever there, or we're ready for the next level. Like we figured this part out and now, you know, we're ready to, to move up and, and figure out that next part, whatever that is for us. And yet it is so easy to look around, especially with social media and think, oh, I'm supposed to have this just down pat, like everyone else I see out there. Uh, I, I had to stop long ago comparing myself to anybody else. I mean, I had to just really focus on myself and and compare myself to myself. And if I look at myself right now, compared to when I turned 50, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest celebrity on the planet, right? I mean, I've come a long way and I have to acknowledge that for myself. I have to give myself credit for that. And sometimes that sounds, I don't know, arrogant or something, but you have to do that. And, and I really had to really focus on that. And so I'm, I don't try to compare myself to anybody else anymore. All I'm worried about is, am I better today than I was yesterday? That's kind of an approach I try to take. Wow, and, and that's a bit, yeah, that's a powerful, important one because I know I can get tripped up on the other side. Oh, you know, yeah. we, we talk about that. People talk about the gap and the gain. You know, looking at how far you've come versus how far you have to go, and it's I, I find it, and I'm getting better at this, Jeff. But I still find it easy <laughs> to, you know, look at how far I have to go versus how far have I actually come. And that is, I'm just continuing to learn and relearn so powerful when we can step back and realize just what have we done? How far have we come and celebrate that anyway, just, you know, clearly that that's something that that's been powerful for you. And, you know, I, I think I say just from my own life and my own life lessons, I, that's a big one. That's a big one. All these things sound small, but they're huge. Yeah, they are. And, you know, so maybe just a couple final things, you know, final thoughts I've got here is that, you know, you can spend all day thinking about stuff. You can spend all day talking about stuff, but you've got to go do. And and that's kind of been my theme. Just and, and, you know, analogies of running, you know, every time I run, I think about that. OK, just one more step, one more step. And I just, you know, I got to get those miles in and just one more step, just one more step, one step at a time. That's all you can do. You just keep moving, keep doing, keep going forward with something. And all of that influences and transfers over to everything else that you do. So running is not for everyone, but find something to do. Go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go whatever it is that you can do, but move, physically move is very important. So, well, that with that right there. So where can people find you, Jeff? Like if they want to learn more about you, learn more about the book, be inspired by you, where can they track you down? So I have a website, dudeanddooter.com, and I'm, I would welcome anyone to, to reach out to me. You can link to my Instagram page. My wife actually maintains an Instagram page for our dogs under Duder and Roxy, and she's got like 11,000 followers on this page for our dogs. So if you love dogs, 
follow Duder and Roxy and you'll see some fantastic pictures and stuff that my wife takes on, on our adventures that we go on. But you can follow me on Instagram or reach out to me on dudeanduder.com. If anyone's interested in learning about running, I'd, I'd love to connect with people. If anyone can can give me ideas and help me get my book published, I would love to reach out and, and hear from people on that site as well. And then final piece of advice for everyone, get a dog. And if you get one, get an active dog to keep you busy. 